Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I just think our language needs to change around it because we keep using the word death and is there life after death, but it's really a continuation of consciousness. And I think if we began to remove that vocabulary and that language, we would be having different conversations. But that's what our culture is used to. We want to explain that when you see a dead body, you know that there is something that has shifted and changed. It is not in the physical. Where did it go? But we use the word death to describe that. My name is Will, and I, like Mulder from the X-Files, want to believe. So I've embarked on a journey of discovery. I've talked to people deeply entrenched in this spiritual world. I've thrown myself into weird and wonderful experiences. I've even joined a coven of witches, all in the interest of finding something, anything, that will prove that there's something beyond this physical, three-dimensional world we all live in. This is The Skeptic Metaphysician. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Skeptic Metaphysician. If you are a regular listener, you already know that last week's show was focused around the 1111 decree meditation that was so generously shared with us by Alexander Prudente. Well, apparently the universe is trying to give us a huge nudge again this week with my next guest who is tied into another version of the number 11. Now, before we get started, to give you a little bit of backstory in numerology, your life path number gives you a blueprint for living. Right? It gives you insight into what you're like as a person, as well as how you might navigate your career, your relationship, even what you do in your spare time. Well, numerology tells us that double-digit numbers like 11, 22, and 33 are incredibly powerful. They're called master numbers for a reason, and they're said to possess intense energy. Now, it's said that master numbers operate at higher vibrations or have more potential than other life path numbers. But Will, you might ask, what the heck does this have to do with you, the skeptic metaphysician, or your next guest? Well, I'm glad you asked that because my next guest is none other than the host and co-founder of uh, the hit podcast, Path 11. But to say that Path 11 is just a podcast would be tantamount to saying that the Bible is just a book. Boasting their own Path 11 app. They provide hours and hours and hours of great video, audio, and even event content wrapped around specific messages of interest to a spiritual path, most of it based around death and life after death. Now, this is something that we've not touched on before, so I'm incredibly excited to dive into everything that Path 11 does and offers. So joining me today to do just that is the co-founder of Path 11 Productions, April Hanna. April, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hi, Will. Thank you so much. That was a beautiful introduction. And I can't believe you haven't talked about this topic yet, considering you are like the skeptic here and you want proof and want to know that there's something more. So this is great. I'm really excited to have this conversation. This is why I was so excited when when we connected. So just to get a little bit of a base, I know what the app does and, and is. Why don't you, in your own words, tell the audience how you how you consider the content on the app to be about 
Sure. So it's, we're basically a spirituality streaming network. So you can watch from your computer. It's called Path 11 TV, or you can download the app and we have it for like every smartphone, tablet, whatever you need. You find it, go into your app store and you can download it. And right now we have over a hundred hours of content of, like you had mentioned, videos, documentaries, conferences, really heavy and focusing on the afterlife, life after death, after death communication. So, and basically this kind of takes us to the beginning of the story too, which I'm sure you were probably going to ask me about, like how, how did Path 11, where did you get your name start? Because there's a reason why we're so focused on death. So the co-founder is Michael Habernig and he's the director and I'm the producer of, of our content. And back in 2008, Mike experienced an enormous amount of death in his life. There was somebody dying every single month, felt like whether it was animals, coworkers, friends, he was in a funeral parlor pretty much every month for a full year. And his background was based more in the Catholic religion. So he was starting to feel really confused. He slipped into a depression because he really was feeling like his religion wasn't able to answer his questions of what the heck is going on here? Why are so many people dying? He wanted to find out, are these people alive? Where are these animals going? What What's happening? Made him search out like life plan and soul contracts and things of that sort. So he started to stumble upon metaphysics, astral projection, out-of-body experiences, life after death communication, and then also the mysteries of healing and Reiki. And in 2008, I had launched my private practice. I'm a licensed mental health therapist and also an energy healer. So in 2008, I was like, okay, I'm following my life path. I am leaving, you know, the nine to five job. I used to work in a psychiatric hospital and I was there for five years. I was like, hmm, the clients get to leave, but I'm staying. I'm here every day. So I've been in a psychiatric hospital for five years. So I finally decided because I started really delving into spiritual work that when I was working with patients that were having some psychosis or uh, really grief reactions, but they were being put on psychotropic medication, I was starting to like really have issues with that because they were having grief experiences and they were accessing the other side, but our culture was medicating them, saying that they were crazy and that they shouldn't have heard, hear this, or they shouldn't be hearing these voices or seeing these things. So I decided that I was going to break away from the traditional psychiatric, you know, therapy and counseling and begin to integrate some of the healing work that I was doing. And Mike was really interested in healing modalities. So he contacted me. So the first week, my private practice, my website is published, and I have a guy calling me saying, would you like to be in a documentary? So I was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. You follow your path. The universe responds. What everyone says, every spiritual teacher, every book I've read, it's right. It's truly true. So we got together. We had some coffee we were talking. And at the time, I was only really in the metaphysical world doing healing work for about seven years. But my teachers, all of my teachers had like 20 or 25 years under their belt. And I didn't want to be on camera. So I said, well, I said, Mike, I'm really good at organizing. I have a boatload of contacts of people that we could interview and we could create a bunch of documentaries. So we put our ideas together and we actually ended up producing three documentaries. There's a documentary trilogy on the afterlife, uh, the path afterlife it's called, uh, the path beyond the physical is the second one, which is all about understanding how you can move your consciousness out of body and astral project. And we also 
were able to interview a man in the military that was a part of the classified uh, Stargate mission where we our military was training psychic spies, Skip Atwater. So we were able to talk to him and learn about remote viewing and all of this stuff. And then the third documentary, The Path Evolution, is all about the theory of consciousness where we followed a nuclear physicist that used to work at NASA and trying to understand his theory of consciousness and everything. So... So with all of that, with Mike's depression and trying to figure out what's going on, am I going to live after I die and all of that, we found each other, which I'll get to the path 11 as well and why we named our company that. And we really began to uh, gather a lot of video footage in a year's time. We traveled up and down the East Coast. We were both working our our jobs because I was leaving the hospital at that point and transitioning in. Took a week vacation, flew up the East Coast of New York, and I don't know, we got over, I can't even tell you, probably 75 hours of footage that we went through to make those three documentaries. So, so that's why we're really focused on life after death, because I had a craving of spirituality and spirit and energy healing. And he had these unanswered questions that his religion wasn't answering about the afterlife, came together and started to create Path 11. And Path 11 came about with the name. We were sitting one day saying, what are we going to call this company? And it was just very na- a very natural conversation. We said, well, we're both on a path, right? So we're like, okay, path, the path. And then we had met a numerologist. So it's funny that you introduced the show with numerology. And we sat and we interviewed her for our documentary. And immediately her first question was, when's your birthday? I want to figure out your life path numbers. So I'm a life path nine and Mike is a life path 11. So, and that's like the master number, right? And the two actually life paths work really well together because one kind of has like the vision and the idea and the other can help complete. So, uh, so we decided, well, why don't we just call it path 11? Since we learned about this master number of 11, we're both on a path. And then 11 started following us everywhere we went. We started experiencing the 11-11 phenomenon. Every time we'd go into production, we'd see 1-11, When we were traveling to interview people, you know, Google Maps would say, you know, our ETA of arrival was going to be 111, 1111. I mean, we were taking pictures of it. It was just like insane and crazy. We we lived 11 miles apart from each other. My mom always said to me, if you were a boy, I was going to name you Michael. And Mike and I are born in the same month, same year, one week apart. So it's just, we've had so many synchronicities learning about each other, you know, when we had first gotten together and then this number 11 would not stop. So we said, all right, let's name it Path 11. So that's kind of a very long winded answer to explain why we are focusing on death and the afterlife, why we named our production company Path 11. It's a great story to make perfect sense. And the 11 seem to be following me around now, too. So it's it, another synchronicity to have you on the show at the time at which we're having you on the show, which is great. Uh, I know that you were already investigating life after death and then you had your own encounter with death fairly recently. But before we touch on that, I'm curious to know when you first started doing all of these before you had your own encounter with death. What did you know about life after death? Were you uh, a skeptic? Were you fully convinced that there was such a thing as life after death? How much exposure to that kind of thing did you have prior to making these these projects? So I would say 
I wasn't as indoctrinated in the religion as Mike was, but I come from an Italian-American family, and my grandmother was extremely religious and extremely Catholic, taught me the rosary, you know, all of my prayers. So I believed in God, and when you die, you go to heaven, and, you know, you better be careful of breaking any rules because that means that you're a sinner and you have to repent for those sins. And there's just a lot of rules and a lot of things that you shouldn't do in the Catholic religion if you want to get into the pearly gates, you know. But, and I went to catechism, don't remember much of it, but my family got really angry with the Catholic church because my mom wanted to have me baptized when I was younger, but because she wasn't a consistent churchgoer, the priests would not allow us into the church and I wasn't allowed to be baptized. So that created like, holy hell, right? In my family. And my grandmother like freaked out about it. She's like, you're going to be a child of the devil. You have to get baptized, you know? And my grandmother had passed away before I got into all of this. So it would have been really interesting to know what she would have thought about me being trained in Reiki and doing energy healing and having prophetic dreams and psychic intuition, because sometimes that can really be looked upon as a no-go. Yeah, not not sometimes, well, was, but most of the time, right? It's the only time, yeah. way to find God or to speak to God or get messages like this is to go through a priest, right, in the Catholic religion. So I could imagine how that could be, it could have been a little, little challenging for you. Yeah. So I would say, you know, I always had some sort of faith. I prayed a lot. I did believe in in a God, I didn't know what that God was. And I wasn't doing a lot of studying or questioning of it. You know, I just would always say my prayers. I believed in divine intervention. I had really interesting kind of intuitive experiences when I was younger. And I would say my mom was a little more laid back about religion. We joined some sort of some sort of church, they did a lot of singing. (laughs) I don't know, and they spoke in tongues. And that was really interesting when I was younger. Yeah, I can't think of the name of them. But you know, I really liked it because there was like music every Sunday. Yes, it was Pentecostal. Yeah. You know, but then that got really weird. And then my mom's like, we can't go there anymore because we were watching MTV. My mom loved music. And so I think when they said that, like, the devil was in MTV or something, we, my mom was like, okay, we got to get out of this church now. So I, I believed in something, but I really didn't know what. And then when we took that week-long road trip and started interviewing people, there was the nuclear physicist Thomas Campbell, who pretty much blew every belief system that I had in my life out of the water. And I left doing these interviews like, I don't know what I believe in anymore. And I'm really freaked out because I thought this was the plan. <laughs> and I started learning about soul contracts, how, you know, that we, we pre-plan our life and that we travel within the same soul group and that we decide how we want to evolve in each lifetime and that our soul group people will volunteer to play roles in our lives. And we come down in the physical body and we act that out in order for our soul to evolve. I was like, oh my God, who's in my soul group now? And you know, so it, I actually started this with less questions and then had way more questions afterwards. And I really realized it kind of freaked me out because belief systems, I feel, make you feel very secure. Like I felt like I knew where I was going and where I was headed and the Catholic Church told me and that felt really good. 
And then I go on this journey and I start interviewing these people with all these different experiences and learning that you can astral project and go out of body and like go to different planets and meet aliens and and stuff like that. And that you can just do this with your consciousness and that we're more than our physical body. I mean, I was so kind of freaked out that I felt really unsafe. Then I was like, okay, now I don't know what I believe. And now I don't really have this plan. And that can be a really scary time when people are going through maybe a spiritual awakening and they're really being challenged to question their belief systems. So I would say, you know, people will say, well, what do you think now? And I'm like, I still don't know. I still don't have the answers. I've had a lot of great experiences in this path 11 journey of meeting really talented mediums, like people that can communicate with the deceased. I have phenomenal scientists, right? And physicists that talk about, you know, the quantum mechanics and, you know, this virtual field that we're in and that maybe we're just avatars and, you know, really understanding consciousness. And I would say that there are some things that sound really good to me and I would like to believe it. But the other thing that I've learned in this journey is that beliefs can also be traps and you don't get anything for believing anything. You know, it's really more about the experience. So it's like, if you want to learn about, is there life after death, then you have to start experimenting a little bit or like what you're doing. You know, you have a podcast, you're talking to people about it. Maybe you're going into meditation and using your intent to send your consciousness to another planet. And and what's the data? You know, what do you find out after you investigate? So I guess I've kind of learned similar to you to be an open-minded skeptic and to collect as much personal data and personal experience as I can, and then maybe draw some conclusions, right? And, you know, I recently heard somebody say that all that a skeptic really is, is someone who is slow to draw conclusions. You know, I'm not necessarily even convinced that I know all the answers. And I don't think it would be fair to say that I know what happens when we die. But I've heard some really cool things that I would like to believe is what what happens when we exit the physical form. I've had interviews where they talked about people traveling to different planets and meeting aliens and things like that. And a lot of it was over my head, I will admit. So I didn't know that there was so much out there. Similarly to you, I didn't realize how much there was out there. I've never been able to astral project, though I've tried and tried and tried. I've never been able to read anybody's thoughts or speak to the deceased. I have experienced some things that made me sit up and take notice. So I do believe that there are things out there. I'm just not sure what they are. One of my favorite books that listeners know, I I speak about all the time, Conversations with God. And that book talks about a certain belief system that when I first read the book made really great sense to me. And so that became my foundational belief system. But then my question to you is, having heard all of these different stories, does there seem to be a common thread throughout or does everyone have their own experience? Well, I would say, you know, after interviewing and reading a lot of people's books and having my guests on my podcast that have had near-death experiences, people who have not died and had spiritual awakenings and experience that are like a near-death experience, and I would say, and those out-of-body explorers that have been able to astral project and and the researchers of consciousness and the scientists is that I do believe that there's, you know, this intelligence out there. This The themes that I find is that there is a great intelligence. And I actually prefer the word creator over God because I don't think God has come with such a connotation of being male, you know, in, in so many 
cultures and stuff. So I like the word creator because it really defines like something created this magnificent planet, like the creation was created by this, this intelligence. So I do feel that there's a divine intelligence that knows exactly what it's doing. And that the, the running theme through and through is that the ultimate evolution of our soul is to become more love and to be of service and to get connected in our heart and get out of our minds and to really enjoy the human experience and connection of being here and that the creator isn't here to punish us or to hurt us with really tough situations that we go through in life but those situations are brought to us for us to evolve our consciousness and like thomas campbell in our our documentary says you either evolve or de-evolve it's only two ways to go with consciousness. And there's a lot of decisions and behaviors you can make and choices that you can have or situations that you can put yourself in that can help you to de-evolve, you know, but when you're on a spiritual path and you're really trying to come with kindness and compassion and love, that allows your consciousness to evolve. So those have been some of the themes that I continually hear over and over and over again. It's interesting because I'm not sure if you've read the book. The word God is interchangeable for Neil Donald Walsh, who wrote it. Even God, the creator, the universe themselves, they mention the fact that God is just a, a title for the ease of use in the narrative. Yeah. But sure, I think everyone that's on this path would say that they would be hard-pressed to, to, to feel that the creator, the universe, the, the Godhead could possibly be strictly a male energy when in essence... Well, we're getting far deeper than I expected us to get in this conversation, but we're really just parts of the whole, right? We, the I am that I am, we are little droplets of the all that have come onto the world to experience what it is to not be who we are so that we then can experience who we are more fully, right? It, that, that it's pretty heady stuff and, and out there, but the challenge is in remembering remembering who we are and where we come from. And to me, I keep hearing guest after guest tells me we are in the midst of experiencing a, a spiritual awakening of the likes that we've never seen before. And yet when you turn on the news and you read the newspaper and you look online, all you're getting is what I hear you say, which is the humanity de-evolving it just seems like we're going in the opposite direction in a lot in a lot of ways there seems to be a big divide between the people who are awakening and the people who just kicking and screaming are saying you're not taking the keys from me until i'm ready to do it so how do we come to terms with something like that i mean this may not be the right venue to have this conversation because <laughs> i didn't mean no to, i think it's good yeah, yeah let's go there <laughs> okay. yeah I, well i mean so and I may not be able to speak as eloquently about this as some other people can, but I'll try to do it just in my way, is that, yes, the news can make us feel like we're de-evolving, but, you know, it's called television programming, programming for a reason. And that is just a small sliver of a window that we can look through that appears to be the whole world, right? And, and the television and the news is really a program for fear. And I would say I'm not like this huge conspiracy theorist and I don't get totally in depth with some of those ideas and things like that. But I will tell you that when I went into my own therapy in my early 20s, I was struggling with my own anxiety that was kind of based in childhood and some PTSD. 
the the first assignment my therapist gave me, who was a very spiritual teacher as well, she said, April, how often do you watch the news? I said, oh, twice a day in the morning and at night. She said, your homework is to stop watching the news. I said, Susan, I can't stop watching the news. How am I going to know what's happening? She goes, April, you have a lot of people in your life who love you very much. And if the world is going to end, I promise you someone's going to give you a call or somebody will text you. And she said, actually, if you want, you can continue watching it. Watch it for one more week. But I want what I want you to watch is that every night you're going to get your fire. You're going to get your car accident. You're going to get your murder. You're going to get the political uproar of what's going on. You might get a nice fun story of like a puppy or something like that. You're going to get the car crash and the accident. And it all that it does is induce fear. And I remember I had a client that was really struggling with anxiety over what was going on with like the riots during the election time and when they stormed DC and all of that. And I said, and I asked her, I said, if you did not turn the TV on today, what was your world like without watching that? I said, did anything really change outside of your home, your day? You know, what, what was your day like? She goes, oh, actually the weather was really beautiful and nothing really happened in my town and I was safe and I was okay. But you would have thought that she was there participating, witnessed and saw all of that chaos. And unfortunately, because we are programmed to survive and we're kind of programmed to get through very traumatic moments as a human being and a species, we can become very addicted to that adrenaline, the stress hormones that get released, the dopamine that gets released in our brain, and we crave more of that. So yes, there are some really horrible things that have happened in our world, and I'm not downplaying any of that. But I also think there has to be a really good balance between what's going on, what we're being served, the amount of fear that you're allowing into your life, and then kind of what is really going on on your day to day. Because I'm sure you've had a lot of your guests say, you know, change really begins within yourself. And we can feel very overwhelmed with the political world and what, what's happening. And it looks like we're de-evolving. But if you become that change, right, become the change you wish to see in the world, but you start changing and becoming more love, that eventually has a ripple effect. So like, what can you do? What can you take control of today? So I would say, it really depends where are you looking and what is your perception? If all you're doing is watching the news, it's going to feel like we're going to hell in a handbag, right? That the world really is crumbling. But if you look through a different lens and you're watching for the stories of people rallying and gathering together and supporting one another through natural disasters and coming together as a community and look at all the beautiful things that happen with the pandemic and food pantries and people reaching out and taking care of each other. And, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement, I mean, something horrible, like I said, that feels like it was just this horrible thing that had happened helped a lot of people's consciousness to evolve to stand up to speak to speak their truth so i really think it's the pair of glasses that you wear and how you're looking at it because it may look like it's an ugly world but there are many beautiful aspects of it as well so i i think we're moving more towards evolution than de de evolution <laughs> it, it, it was beautifully said and i want to thank you for reminding me. My second book that I talk about on the show all the time is Dr. Wayne Dyer's 10 Secrets of Inner Peace and Success or something along those lines. And that's more along the lines of the, everything is exactly the way it's supposed to be. Right? We, we are in exactly the place that we're meant to be. And you're right. Uh, change starts from within. 
living life through a non-judgmental get out of your mind and more into serving others and, and, and closer to love. And that when I remember to do that stuff, it does help a lot. So you're right. And I can't tell you the last time I watched the news for that exact reason. I actually went through my own uh, mental health crisis and I did turn it off. Because uh, I couldn't, I couldn't, and I just—I've never gone back. I think, I think maybe once or twice in the past month or so. But, but then that brings me to the point of the inner peace that we're all trying to achieve in this life is meant to prepare us for the next. Right. So now, getting back on track again. Now, a lot of the things that I saw on your app was about getting beyond the fear of death, of passing through because of some of these experiences that people have had that you spoke about a little bit earlier. So before we go any further, I'd love for you to share with us your encounter. You had already been investigating these life after death cases when you were confronted with your own experience with death. Can you share that with us? Yeah. So, you know, I started this death journey, I guess you could say in 2008. And then in 2019, my mom tragically died. She was hit by a car on October 19th. So the interesting thing with all of that was that I had an intuition and a knowing that my mom was going to pass that year. My mom struggled a majority of her life with alcoholism and addiction, and she had periods of sobriety. But the the last two years of her life, she really got herself into some predicaments in a really horrible domestic violent relationship, really struggling with money, some health issues on top of addiction, right? So it just was an intuitive sense when you feel like someone's really going downhill, you just... I just knew, I don't know how to explain it. I I just knew that her time was near. I didn't know when or how my guess was she would have passed away either from a drug overdose or maybe a complication of alcoholism. She also struggled with some lung issues because she was a longtime smoker, but never in a million years would I think that, you know, she was going to get hit by a car and that would be the way that she would leave, you know, this earth. And, and I had some premonition dreams. Uh, I kept uh, having this dream of a state trooper coming to my place to notify me, and that's exactly what happened. You know, a state trooper came, and it was 5 o'clock in the morning, and he opened up the door, and he said, Are you April Hannah? And I said, Yes, I am. This is about my mom, isn't it? And he said, Yes. He's like looking at me with this strange, you know, look. He's like, Yes, she was in a, an accident. And I said, She's dead, isn't she? And he said, How did you know this? And so like, I wasn't going to go into, well, I've been psychic since I've been five years old, you know, and, you know, I've been having these dreams officer, but, you know, so it was just kind of interesting because I knew that my mom's death was impending. It was going to be happening soon, but, you know, the trauma of it was pretty, pretty traumatic. And then, you know, it left me with more, sometimes, you know, like when I'm thinking about it, some more questions, you know, it. I went back to my resource of doing all this work with Path 11 TV and was found myself saying, well, what fits in? You know, what makes sense? Why did my mom have to go this way? Why did her life, it was so tragic. Why did her death have to be tragic, you know? So I went and I called out some of just my really close friends and people that I met through my show and really did consultations with healers and psychic mediums to understand where is my mom? Where is she? Is her soul lost? Is there such thing as that? If there's a tragic death, did her soul get to the light? You know, like, even though I've had these guests on my show, you know, tell me some of these things, I really started to question it because now it was like this more personal experience. And, 
you know, trying to like figure out my own answers of where is she? Can I communicate with her? You know, why did it have to happen this way? Like with all of the trauma that we've been through in our relationship, like really mom, you're going to leave me with one more post-traumatic stress, you know, situation here. So it's just been really interesting. And I would say that when you work and you're talking so much about death, people might perceive my reaction as like, well, she doesn't seem that distraught. And it's like, there's a part of me with doing all this research, I'm not because I do know and believe and have experienced that my mom's consciousness is outside of the physical body as I know her to be. So I, there, I don't have this part of grief that maybe many people have depending upon where their belief systems are because there's just a knowingness that like my relationship with her doesn't end actually it got a lot better because we were no longer dealing with the alcoholism and the drug addiction all the drama and the chaos of what was going on yeah now i could really communicate with her we can have a conversation we can have spiritual conversations and you know i've had a lot of validations of that from different psychic mediums that i've consulted in the past year and a half so i would say it didn't strengthen or my fear of death you know I, I feel like I don't I don't have a fear of death my fear is more running out of time and feeling like do I have enough time in this world to get done what I need to get done you know but I would say one of the things that really just felt right to me was this theory like I said earlier of the soul contracts right of of that the soul contract theory helped me to not be angry to not be mad in the way that she died, to not be upset with her, with all of the experiences that we went through that were really hard and really traumatic. It really helped me to take a look at the relationship more through the lens of what was my mom here to teach me? What did she and I sign up for? What was our contract? And what am I gonna do with these lessons that she brought me? And so my work kind of is deepening since her passing even more than where I was at you know, a couple of years ago with working with Path 11, because once it hits you so raw, then I feel like it's become even more of my mission to get this education out there. So people aren't suffering so much or staying stuck in their grief if they've lost a loved one, that they have access to our library, to Path 11 TV, to get some of their questions answered. If, if my mom died that way before 2008, I, I couldn't even tell you where I was without knowing all of this stuff in this research. I, I would probably still be in like deep therapy for it. I probably just would have stayed traumatized. So for those that were listening in who maybe aren't familiar with the term soul contract, in essence, it's pretty much just kind of a, a basic plan that you make prior to coming to the world. Is that right? That's not how you see it. That's my understanding. Yeah, that we travel within the same soul group. We return with them over and over. We play different roles in each other's lives. But, you know, maybe my lesson in this soul, maybe I said, okay, guys, I really want to learn about forgiveness. So somebody teach me about forgiveness. And my mom, you know, being her soul, raised her hand and said, okay, I'll teach you about forgiveness. I will be your mom in this lifetime, but I will take on darkness and I will give you really hard stuff to forgive. That's heavy. <laughs> that is really heavy. So first of all, I'm sorry that you had to go through all the things that you went through, but I'm also, I'm glad that you actually did have a tool like Path 11 TV to, to turn to for, for that kind of help. I have been unbelievably lucky to not have a significant passing of anyone that I truly cared for 
yet. My parents are, are in their 80s now and, and things are getting close health-wise and things like that. So I fully anticipate something happening soon. Now, I don't have the type of intuition that you have that says my father will pass this year, but something tells me, yeah, he's not, he's not great. So how does someone prepare for that, for the passing of, of a loved one that has really shaped who you are? or you, who you've been for so long. Yeah, so what I've learned uh, more recently with this conference that is on Path 11 TV, it's called the Afterlife Conference. I was introduced to people called death doulas. I didn't even know that there was such a thing. So like for you, I would say, it, I would really immerse yourself into what a death doula is and how they can help families prepare for death. Shamans do beautiful and wonderful like death rituals and work that can help souls transition. The work of Raymond Moody and Lisa Smart, where they've done the language of the dying and deathbed visions would I, is fascinating to me. And I learned about that after my aunt had passed away. She had a very active death. And, you know, my cousin and I were, were spiritual, but, and so was she. And we were saying, what do you see? Do you see the light? She's like, yes, the light's getting closer. We're like, is grandma there? She's like, I can see someone, but I'm not sure who. I mean, we had a full on conversation about what my aunt was seeing when she was transitioning. She let us know that she was hearing music, words like they're getting closer. I have to go to the party soon. So I would say in how do you prepare maybe for a death that you know is imminent and coming? It might be a slower death. There are like beautiful rituals and things that you can do. And uh, we, I also interviewed a really great ER doctor, Monica Williams. I, th I think she's based out of Texas. I could be getting that wrong. But she has active conversations within her community about people actually talking to their family members about what they want before they die, what are their health care directives, what are their wishes, and really talking to your parents like, do they have a plot? Do they know where they want to be buried? Do they want to be cremated? Do they want music at their funeral? Do they have a DNR? Like what, what are their medical wishes and stuff like that? And if, if the family has an open communication about death and transition, then I would say that the process of it can be really beautiful. You can prepare, you know, music, the surroundings, people who are visiting, when the person passes. Like, I didn't even know that you could do this either. It's like you can preserve the body yourself. You can like wait till um, the coroner comes and, and gets the body and like you can wash the person's body. You can have a ceremony with their body there. Some people believe that you shouldn't even cremate or move the body for three days because it still takes the soul three days or more to begin to exit the physical body. That's why there can be a lot of like activity when somebody passes right away in like the, a couple of days afterwards, like a lot of paranormal stuff can happen because the soul is still transitioning. So there's, there's shamans that work with like hospices and they do something called a death spiral. You can look that up where they help the soul to move because some souls or some people are very afraid to make that transition. And some, some of us will hang on, right? Because we're afraid of death. So there's, I mean, like I said, my world was open up and I'm still learning about all of this, about what you can do to help somebody that is getting ready for transition. But I think when people are of sound mind, 
now is the time to have those conversations, those tough conversations. You've opened up so many avenues and directions in which to go. I don't think we're going to have enough time to talk about everything that, that, <laughs> that we, has just come up. Things like what you mentioned about the taking three days for the soul to, to leave the body. I have seen a body after death and you could see there is a difference. There's something missing from the body after when someone dies that you just would assume that the soul is gone. That's what's, that's what's missing, right? And then something about, what is it, six is it six ounces? I forgot how much, what the weight is that that they found that somehow they were able to measure when someone dies, they're lighter by six ounces or whatever it is. And and the the thought is maybe that's the, that's the weight of the soul or something like that. But I'm sure lots of lots and lots of discussions that we could have around that. But I've got to ask the big burning question, especially because you talked about being there while your loved one was transitioning and she was telling you what she was seeing, what she was experiencing. The big question, because of course you're on the skeptic metaphysician, is what about all of the evidence, or I shouldn't say evidence, but the, the, the conversations that, that are being had about the fact that maybe this is just the brain going through the transition process and triggering different things that, the, that tricks the person into thinking that they're seeing past this life. Any thoughts to maybe maybe this is just a trick of the mind before we pass? Well, I think there has been a lot of research to show that consciousness is, uh, what do they call it, non-local, it's not local, that th that consciousness exists outside of the brain. And I think that's what you're bringing up is the biggest argument that people are trying to prove. Does is consciousness inside of the brain or does it live outside of the brain? And like remote viewing in our second documentary to me shows that consciousness does not exist inside the brain. And, and I understand some of that evidence of like, oh, maybe it's like a DMT experience that you're having and all these flood of chemicals and that's what these people are seeing and stuff like that. But when you even study just the basics of remote viewing and you're intent is to move your consciousness to a target in a location and people are getting accurate hits like our military was using that technique to find prisoners of wars and they found them <laughs> and you know stuff that was in the ocean and you know so it's like i think there's enough evidence out there now to show and so many blind studies like gary schwartz is another name drop I'll do of that's studying that and like psychic phenomenon. And he has really great controlled studies of psychic mediums doing readings on people that they're not even seeing the people and they're able to access information. So, I mean, to me, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like I know that consciousness exists outside of the mind. So it just, it just comes down to, I guess, how pragmatic you feel you are. Was it Isaac Asimov or Robert Heinlein or some, one of the science fiction, uh, Arthur C. Clarke, one of those science fiction writers said that science seemed to be magic to, to those that aren't advanced enough to understand it. At one point in time, the majority of people believed that the earth was flat, right? And that the sun revolved around us and things like that. So you never know what can be discovered. And we may never know. And, and maybe that's the beauty of it. The fact that we're not supposed to know. That we're supposed to find it within ourselves to know internally that this is indeed just a temporary pass-through for us and that there's our true selves, our true lives really are elsewhere. I'm just really impatient and I just need to know, I want to know now. <laughs> now. <laughs> I mean, not, not by dying, but, you know, <laughs> right. yeah. I, I want someone to come back and say, well, this is it and this is, this is what it is. And I, I mean, I, 
realistically, that's not going to happen, right? You probably have come the closest because you've explored it quite as thoroughly as you have. But I don't see you having any doubts at all. You truly believe that there is life after death. Yeah. I mean, and I said this on another podcast that I was on. I just think our terminology and our language needs to change around it because we keep using the word death and is there life after death, but it's really a continuation of consciousness. And I think if we began to remove that vocabulary and that language, we would be having different conversations, but that's what our culture is used to. We want to explain that when that soul, like you said, when you see a dead body, you know that there is something that has shifted and changed. It is not in the physical. Where did it go? But we use the word death to describe that. So I feel like the language and the way that we talk about it, it would be really great if that can shift. So so I would say I believe that consciousness continues and uses the physical body as a vehicle to intermingle on earth. So, and I would say when that consciousness is done or the lesson has been learned or the contract has been signed and sealed and delivered, then the consciousness will leave this physical form and then decide what it's going to do from there. And maybe it will re-enter into another form. In your experience, what has been the underlying thread? I mean, everyone hears about the the white light and the tunnel that people see loved ones at the end waiting for them to greet them. Has that been consistent in your research or have there been kind of one-offs that throw monkey wrenches into those things? Well, when I interviewed William Buhlman, who is an out-of-body expert, he um, really helped me to understand this. And he talks a lot about belief systems. And my understanding from people that have access to like more of maybe really what happens and like the council and people who make these decisions or the creator is that it will we we see what our belief systems are at the time of our death so if i believe i'm going to go to heaven and i'm going to meet my family and the deceased loved ones there the creator the consciousness system the creator has the intelligence to know what will bring me more peace at that time of transition so i'm not as fearful So it will create the heaven that I believe it to be, which might include churches and flowers and clouds and angels and my loved ones. And so that that's been my experience of what I have heard that many times people will see that like people who had near death experiences and had strong religious belief systems, they too have reported that, that the creator had given them something to bring them comfort to help them have that experience. But then like when they come back, usually their belief systems are completely smashed too because they realize that the creator isn't like we were talking about earlier, neither male nor female and that there's this tremendous love and there isn't this judgment. And most people may have somewhat of an experience of visuals, you know, that they come back and they tell the story. But I've talked to so many people that said it was kind of like this void of nothingness and everything all at the same time. And no one seems to have a word in the English language to really describe what they felt, but they try to come back talking about this love and this acceptance of this grand being that they come in contact with. And that is also a consistent theme, right? Most people say there aren't words in the human language to describe what I saw and what I felt. (laughs) So that would be my answer to that. Well, it's lovely. And if indeed this is where we go and who our creator is, it's, it's an amazing, loving, wonderful thought that I welcome 
wholeheartedly and every day try to get my consciousness to align with. So having you on the show to remind me and the audience of that has been outstanding. I didn't know what to expect out of this interview, but it's gone so far beyond what I had hoped for. So I really, truly appreciate you coming on and talking to us about this. The time has gone by so fast. I don't even know how long I can continue talking with you. Not just the topic itself, but the way you express it, the way your demeanor, your energy coming through. For, for those that are only listening, we are seeing each other on camera so we connect better during the interview. But it, it's really coming through from a really beautiful place. And it's really wonderful. And I, I really hope that it, it comes through on the audio because for it not to would be a true shame for those who are listening. And I, I would love at some point maybe to pick up the conversation again later on. But before we go any further, how can someone access or get in touch with uh, you or Path 11? Where can someone find your App 11 TV product? How, how does that work? I would say the, the easiest way would be to go to path11tv.com. And I want to give a kind of a code to your listeners. They can use Podcast 30 to get 30% off a subscription. We offer a monthly subscription or an annual subscription. The feedback that we've gotten from subscribers is they love the annual subscription because they can take their time. They can go through things. They don't have to worry about the monthly renewal. But Podcast 30 is going to give everybody 30% off. So that's the, that's the videos, right? We have the Path 11 podcast videos. So when I do podcasting, we have a video version and an audio version. So I've interviewed, I think, I don't know, th over 350 people so far. We have over 350 episodes. So we have a whole library and bank there of um, people they can just throw in keywords and get some free stuff there, listening to the podcast. That's path11podcast.com. And yeah, and then our production company is just Path 11 Productions. I do some guided meditations and recordings on there. You can rent the trilogy series if you'd like. And Will, I'd love to come back on. I'll go ahead and give you access to watch the films and there's no rush. And we can, you can have me on a couple times if your listeners like me and they want to hear some more, we can talk about you know, the documentaries, because there's some really cool stuff on there, too. And it might answer some more of your questions. So April, I will absolutely take you up on that. Because if for nothing else, I'm unbelievably excited about the prospect. So yeah, for, for sure, we'll, we'll definitely connect offline. So I thank you very much for coming on and sharing of your stories with our listeners. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I want to sincerely thank you as well. Everyone that's listening to this right now, I know you have tons and tons of content screaming to get your attention, and I'm honored that for whatever reason you chose to listen to this one. If this message has touched you or you feel you know someone who would benefit from hearing the message given to us by my guest, please share this podcast with them. If you're listening to this today, it's because you were drawn to it for a reason, and I'd very much appreciate it if you would help others find the message as well. It's by sharing with each other that we make this world a better place, which is the conversation that April and I have just been having. Let's make the world better. If you'd like to learn more about my guest or check out Path 11 podcast and TV, you can find all of that information on my show notes. The podcast itself is on all the major podcasting platforms. Better yet, go ahead and download the app. I could not recommend it enough. I did, and I am going to renew the subscription because I enjoyed it very much, and you heard it here. I will put the code in my show notes as well so you have the code for the 30-day trial. Now, as always, please don't forget, you can send me a voice message on speakpipe.com slash skeptic metaphysician. I would love to hear your thoughts, comments, questions, or feedback on the show or the guests. And again, I love sharing people's stories. Would love to share yours too. So please feel free to reach out if you'd like to come on the show. You can join us on Facebook at the Skeptic Metaphysician. Links to my social media platforms and the Speakpipe access 
are all in the show notes as well. Well, that's all for now. Thanks again for listening in. We'll see you again on the next episode of The Skeptic Metaphysician. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.